Good day everybody and welcome back. It's nice to see you here. And of course I'm speaking metaphorically. I can't see you. But if I close my eyes I can feel my presence and that of life around me. And you know, because everything's connected without getting too esoteric, there you are. Here I am. How about that? Now today I'd like to carry on talking about mental health matters. And specifically, anxiety. Something very interesting to me and that I can explain on the deepest level after what's happened in my perspective on life in the last seven years. Having no ego-based filter, being able to see and more importantly feel myself and the world around me as a direct connection. Now, because we've become so identified with our minds and through our minds, like I've spoke about in previous podcasts, um, when our mind engaged, and for very good reason, and helped us out, it has remained engaged in much the way a lot of our physical body has evolved and become active so that it works. You know, a human body with most of us having almost identical genetics functions very similarly, which is why we can help each other understand one another, which is why certain healing modalities can be used on everyone. The same can be said of mental health, but more importantly, there's an, a layer beyond some aspects of mental health and mental healing modalities that we currently have that will impact our ability to heal from them. And that comes by understanding what we are, by actually stepping outside of our own mind, our own mental health, in order to assess it and to feel who we truly are. And that's what this is all about. You know, after my experience in 2014, it became very clear and self-evident to me who I am and how I know how I feel who I am. And that any time in my life previous to that, when I've had anxiety, when I felt a stress, when I felt a disconnect, it's been because of this disconnect, because of this perspective. When it's more in mind than in than felt in the body, there's the chance for there to be anxiety. And I can apply this. To many situations in my life, even though I haven't been an overly anxious person all the time. I know so many people in the generations after me that hold a level of anxiety almost permanently that it just pains me to see because I understand how it got there and how it has escalated. The prevalence of that and the chance of that happening has escalated since my generation simply as a function of the world we live in being more mind-based, more information-based. There's a direct correlation between how much time we spend in our mind versus in our body and how we can know who we are and how we can feel who we are. And so when I was young, of course, I explained to you a very deep shyness that I had and a realization that in retrospect, I can understand how my mind being a natural function of, of what I am as a human being engaged at a very young age and turned a quiet, calm being into a shy person 
Because in relating to the world, we use words. In using our mind, we create identities. And this happens unconsciously when we're young. This is just what happens because we are what we are. We know we are spirit in body with a mind. And the mind engages from the moment we're born in order to start learning. There's nothing innately wrong with that. There's nothing 100% absolutely right with it either. If there was, there'd be no side effects. But to get even more um, analytical about just being alive, we're going to suffer just by virtue of the fact that we're alive. So in much the same way, being human and being what we are, there's going to be collateral damage to having a powerful self-conscious mind and an ego. Now it's about management, just as being alive is about management. How are we managing being alive? Well, do we know who we are? Do we know how to feed our body and heal it? And do we know that we can manage our mind as opposed to just letting it run as it is going to do unless there's a reason for it not to? And that reason is you. That reason is you. You are bigger than your mind. You have to be. Because your mind doesn't control absolutely everything about you. It actually can't. Think about all the things that are automatic. Your heart beats. Your breathing happens. If you don't... If you think... I like to say this to people sometimes, you know. If, if your mind is so powerful and you think you're in control of your life or that you can be completely by using the power of your mind, stop breathing. Stop breathing. Just stop. Stop your heartbeat. Don't allow your body to heal when you get a cut. Don't run away from danger automatically, instinctively, when it's there. In my case, from a couple episodes ago, allow yourself to just hang there when you don't actually... Something about you doesn't want that to happen. So we have an instinct. We're in this body... We're here to experience a life. There is going to be suffering. You know, Siddhartha, one of the Buddhas in previous history and one of many because we are all potential Buddhas, may have put forth as one of the noble truths, you know, life is suffering or life is dissatisfaction. And I think he got very close to, to nailing it, but there's a bit more to it. Just a little bit more. Because I would say that life in form, for any life form, not just human, has a probability of suffering happening. You're going to hurt yourself. You're going to fall in and out of love. You're going to like certain people. You're going to like certain situations. You're going to be challenged for real, directly, existentially. And you're also going to be challenged through your mind-based concepts if you're not careful to understand that's where some of your suffering is coming from. And so as I was alluding to, just because we have this powerful mind doesn't mean it has to be the source of that layer of suffering that we can call anxiety, stress. And when those things are held and dwelt upon in the mind and only in the mind, do they become depression which then leads us to using that very same mind that created the problem to think irrationally about how to solve the problem when the answer 
to the challenge of mental health and anxiety is going to be by stepping back and realizing what our mind is, what it's capable of, and what disengaging can actually lead to. So again, when I was young, I was shy. I was a calm, quiet person. I was a quiet being. And then I went down the road of it identifying as being shy. And that lasted into my early 30s. And it still, even when I was acutely aware of it and done, had, had done practically all the work to disengage from it, because it was conditioned in, it would come up in occasions now and then. I had a couple occasions where it came roaring back at karaoke, um, singing a song with a friend once when she was going to perform in a small venue, and I was going to accompany her, and I froze up. It's like, I thought I was past it, and it still came up because my mind engaged. It's the only reason I didn't trust my being 100% in that moment to just go. And yet there were many aspects of my life where I wasn't generally anxious at all. I'd get nervous being around people. I certainly didn't want to be in front of people. When I played in bands, even though I loved singing, and I do love singing, I was the drummer, and I do absolutely love drumming. Um, it's my, my primary instrument, rhythm, heartbeat, all that stuff, being, being responsible for you know, holding things down for the group for me is very, very appealing and exciting. And I know I can do it. So it's a good feeling. It's, it's, I have a confidence in that. And when I was in those moments, I would drop my shyness. I would drop any anxiety I was feeling for the most part. And then later in life, I came into myself in my thirties, the shyness dropped away doing things that were more aligned with how I wanted to express myself, a partner I was with, work I enjoyed doing. I was doing quite well, but still I get anxious sometimes about presenting myself in various ways with clients, with um, presenting a landscape design, with doing the work. You know, if I was questioned, sometimes just the act of being questioned would put me on my heels and I'd get a little anxious about it because I wonder that voice would pop up. The identity of me, not the real me, would show up and get in the middle and go, well, what do they want to know that for? Are they questioning if I'm good, if I know what I'm talking about? Do they think I'm smart? Do I not have the answer? Like, you know, you know this because we all have some anxiety. So I'm, I know you know this. And the reason I relate these stories is so that you can contemplate ways in which you've been doing this to yourself and which you can empower yourself to identify it as a story and not the real you. Because you are not your anxiety. When I'm talking to friends, I've had I had one previous partner, and I've had other friends who would you know what in the course of a conversation start talking about oh my anxiety is doing this and my that and the first thing I need to let them know is, you know, it's not yours. It's the anxiety within you. By labeling it, you're giving it an even stronger identity than the fact that it just exists, because you're human. And your mind has done this in order to navigate the world on some level. And it usually gets back to how we see ourselves, value ourselves, and a face that we think we need to put on so that people will engage with us the way they, they want to see us, as opposed to us just being ourselves. Now I'll flip this to 2014 because, like I've said before, after I came to my full senses later in the year, 
and was fully present and able to just feel who I am and the voice in the head was gone, I was just so light and giddy and gregarious even more than my usual self and I, I would shake my head at the notion of who I am and what I had thought about it at various times over my life and the very fact that we are a life form that can question it, that it can even come up. Because I would, of course, after having contemplated, you know, what I did to get where I am, I would imagine other life forms and be like, can you even imagine another life form not knowing what it is? Of course not. And the key is, is that they don't have our powerful mind. But all that means is that we've evolved past that natural state, even though what we are now is still a natural state. And we've enabled um, a disconnect to happen. And that disconnect, from what I can fathom, from my own feeling, experience, and others that I read about, the return home beyond anxiety, stress, and depression is always, in the end, a quieting of the mind, which just means a quieting of the identities. And some people do a lot of good work with meditation, with yoga, with breath work, where they are able to quiet the mind. But here's the thing. If you quiet your mind for a few hours, but then when you're done, you re-engage with life, and you aren't aware that it's mind-based patterns that are what's in the way, those just re-engage. Meditation alone will not fix your problem. If it did, there wouldn't be monks meditating their whole life from the time they're a child till the time they die. I'm a little cynical about, about that fact when once you know yourself, life is a living meditation. You then just go live your life and express it. Perhaps someone still wants to meditate all the time. Fine. But it would take a lot to convince me that all the people of the earth should be meditating all the time to know themselves and then remain in meditation in order to keep that. That doesn't sound like a very exciting real life to me on some level. So, the idea of anxiety as being connected directly to mental health was obvious to me throughout my life and in retrospect because I haven't experienced anxiety at all since 2014 and I don't. And I want to explain that in a very practical and pragmatic way. Because I know a lot of people will go, what the heck? That's not possible. That's not true. How can it be? And that's a very valid response because if you haven't experienced it on a constant and consistent basis, it's not something that you could believe perhaps. And I'm here to tell you it's not something to be believed. It's something to be known. Because believing is in the realm of thought and it's very powerful. It can be very powerful in a positive way or a negative way. Beliefs are thoughts. Who you are is not a thought. It's a known thing. It's who you are. Wherever you are right now, you are you. And I want to reassure you of that. You have everything you have ever needed and will ever need to be who you are. It doesn't mean your health is perfect. It doesn't mean your life situation is perfect and that there aren't challenges within the systems and structures of society. But that's a different thing than actually giving yourself permission to know and be who you are right now. And you're not just a thought away from that. 
It's actually being away from thought that will let you know that. Because on some level, just being human implies a mental health problem, a mental health challenge. Being engaged in the mind so much that you're in the mind and not feeling, to me, is a very, very big mental health concern in the world today because we are kind of letting people who are succeeding at being intelligent on that level, successful in that level, and in turn translating that into being successful in the material world, you know, making a lot of things, making a lot of money, making a lot of resources, using up a lot of resources. We call this success. But uh, what part of us is calling it success? Oh, the ego is. And of course, the ego is going to say what it's doing is super and fantastic. On one level, it's amazing. Our mind is amazing. At some point in our history, as I've told the story, our mind likely saved us from something. It kept us here. It kept us alive. Our mind engaged and was able to produce ideas, thought. We could sit and think and outthink our situation instead of having to actually physically outrun it or survive it from base instincts, which all life forms have. So, you know, credit to our mind for doing what it can do. But you know what? More credit to you, your heart, your energy, your body. The fact that you're human and you can know that you have a mind and that instead of mental health being the issue that it is in the world today, our species can learn what we are on such a deep level that a balance is restored and we start using and empowering our entire being as opposed to letting our mind lead the way through identities which have the side effect of mental health concerns. And yes, I would challenge the most successful people on the planet as far as, you know, intelligence, success in business, in religion, in governance. I would challenge any one of them, any time, to show me how that is the epitome of being human if they themselves are not the epitome of calm, of compassion, of helping, and of knowing themselves without those ideas, without those structures without that proof because that's what the mind does it's so powerful it dis disconnects us from who we are fundamentally which doesn't need any proof again you don't have to think about who you are you are who you are but it needs constant proof which keeps us engaged in the mind which keeps the mind working for the next step you know if your anxiety goes away when you go shopping and you buy something that seems like a good thing except that you know, tomorrow you have to do it again. Or if you need validation, if you have addictions that that make you feel good about yourself, they either, you know, numb your mind so that you can feel like yourself, or they fill you up with some feeling that's artificial but works on a chemical level. It's not real. It can happen, and we trick ourselves, and that's the root of disconnection. It all gets back to who you really are. And I'll be saying this over and over again in a multitude of ways with a multitude of examples. Because I can't stress this enough. Who you are, you shouldn't have to think about that. How you express it in the world, absolutely. I have to think about what I'm doing when I get up and put my clothes on and go out the door. I have to think about how I'm going to earn some money, what I'm going to eat today, who I'm going to meet up with, if anybody, what work I'm going to do, what things I'm going to do because I don't have even have to think about it on that level. I can just walk around the neighborhood. I can go take some photos. I can 
get some fresh air, go for a run, go for a walk, sing some songs, play some music. You know, it's it should be that simple. And there's no anxiety in that because everywhere you go, everywhere I go, I show up. It's the same being showing up. To other people, it's going to look like Steve the runner is showing up. Oh, Steve the landscaper, Steve the musician, Steve the artist, Steve the funny guy, Steve the clever guy. A lot of people often say, wow, you know, like, because we get into deep discussions about life, they, their first reaction is almost, you must be a deep thinker. And while I have done a lot of thinking in my lifetime, obviously, nothing could be further from the truth right now, because I can look people in the eyes and have nothing going on in my mind except perceiving what's happening. I'm a deep feeler, for sure. There's an awareness there that's very real and engaged all the time without the mind interrupting because having disconnected, I won't allow that to take first place anymore. It's not allowed to run the show because I know how much work it is and I know how it can automatically lead to not knowing who I am. But thinking who I am based around all these identities. You see? Now, I'll go down different portals of describing this in future episodes, but that's a pretty big one for now. To have you let this sink in and contemplate the key points of, of what I'm telling you from a place of inner calm, peace, freedom of knowing who I am so that you can know who you are and just be that. That's enough. That's not just enough. That's 100% of what should be for you. And then you can do with it what you think you should do with it based on the reality of the world around you. And that's going to be the next key point I talk about in the next episode is Getting to reality, snapping to reality beyond the mind, being the solution to anxiety, stress, depression, negative thoughts. If you're not having any thoughts, they can't be positive or negative. But if you're being yourself, you are being positively yourself. And so the thinking that comes out of that will automatically be positive and most potentially be helpful. So take good care of your being, watch your thinking, and take full responsibility for who you are beyond what that thinking is doing to you right now. Take care. Hello, fellow humans, and thanks for listening. I really appreciate it. Um, ever since I got this thing started, which was years in the making, I've been excited about uh, doing this and only this. It's what gives me the most pleasure in life is helping others help themselves. And it's actually what I know the best, despite all the other things I've studied for and uh, have had as careers, as experiences, as hobbies, as connections with life. This is it. So to that end, if you'd like to experience, if you'd like to support a very simple human doing this, it doesn't take much for me to survive. And anything over and above that that I ever make from this will always go back into helping others directly. And you can support me 
by finding me on Red Circle Podcasts, which may be where you're listening. Uh, there's a donating information there. I also have an account with something called Libra Pay, where you can find me as Steve Alat, or you can send uh, a donation through PayPal, steve at illuminatingthedisconnect.com. If any of those aren't sufficient or fail, send me an email. Again, steve at illuminatingthedisconnect.com. We can figure something out. And uh, thanks for listening. I really, really hope it helps. And if it does, do send me a message. Thanks for your support.